Ronananian. The guy with the Isuzu ended up saying to me, hey, you know, I guess I got to go find a mechanic that can work on it. And I said, well, I can work on it. I just can't get parts. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you might find. You get what you need. The car doctor. And the last mechanic he took it to two years ago somehow finagled it through inspection. And I kind of think I know what he did. He probably cleared the codes and he was able to take it to state inspection in New Jersey. Yeah, it's a workaround. You can cheat the system and it happens. It works. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. hey Hey, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here, just wound up and ready to go this hour. You know, our, our first guest, and we're going to hit it right at the top of the hour here, uh, because we've got a lot to cover this hour. We've got a bunch of information for you today about cars and diagnostics. And we, we're, we're trying to drive home the point about diagnosing cars and what it takes and some of the different avenues and some of the different techniques and some of the different things that are available, both to consumers and professional repair shops out there. And our, our first guest right here at the top is, I have to tell you how this story came about. I went to a seminar three weeks ago. Yep, still go to seminars, still think it's part of the process. You've got to do it um, every month. It's just, you know, ongoing training, like like the uh, ASE certification says. And, um, you, you know, you've got to go and uh, get your training every month, and there's always something new to learn, no matter how much you think you know. You don't know everything. And uh, the subject of this month's seminar that I took locally was about computer flashing, and a lot of it I'd seen, and I always learned something new here and there, and there was some new equipment I needed to uh, purchase to keep the shop up to date, and I reached out to the company that provides that equipment, the uh, Mongoose Cables and J2534 Flashing Equipment, Drew Technologies, out in um, uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and a funny story, when I when I called the one night, it was the end of the day, and I found some uh, five minutes carve out of my day, and uh, I talked to this next gentleman by the name of Hugh Atkins from Drew Technologies, and um, I, I said, you know, this guy just he Drew. I said, I said, Hugh, I'm sorry. I said, Hugh, you just you've got a lot of information in your head. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? Let's put this guy on radio because I bet he can just really tell a good tale of what it takes to fix cars. And I said, do you ever listen to radio? And he said, yeah. And I said, you ever hear of the car doctor? He goes, sure. And I said, well, guess what? And uh, here we are. So let me get this guy in the door real quick, and let's get this interview rolling. Hugh Atkins, Drew Technologies. Welcome aboard, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit, like it was our phone conversation Tuesday this week past, about uh, J2534. You know, Drew Technologies is known for a lot of things, and we can cover what you guys are all about. Maybe we should start it there, Hugh. What is Drew Technologies? Tell us a little bit about that, and what are you guys known? What do you bring to the industry, which is an awful lot. It's hard to condense in just one sure. interview, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah, um, Drew Tech started as a vehicle communication consultancy back in the day, and this is back in the, say, uh, 1996 and just prior time frame when OBD was coming on board. So there was a lot of um, that the, there were you know modules already in the car. That the direction was obviously that that there were going to be more and more modules in the car, and how to get them to talk, and then talk in the right way so that OBD you know would, it would satisfy the OBD requirements was a big topic. And um, J2534 came up. It was actually a, a derivative of what's called RP1210, um, which is for the heavy truck industry. 
And it, it, it's, it, what it really is is a way for a computer to talk to the device, a, a device, and the device act, only acts like a translator. So the application that's on the computer, which does diagnostics or reprogramming, talks in the same way to the device. That way you can have one device and work with all the OEM applications. And then that device knows how to translate what the application said to the car. So it, it basically you guys are providing the means for the auto repair industry at OE, OEM, you know, dealer and independent repair shop level so that we can talk to car computers and either do diagnostics or reflashing, installing new software, correct? That's right. And that's really all the device is. It's a translator device. Right. The, the EPA back in the day wanted a shop to be able to, uh, to uh, reprogram cars. They didn't think it was fair that only the OE could do that. So it should be an independent repair function. So it had to be cheap. So they couldn't. Uh, independent repair, independent repair shop many times can't afford, you know, a, a custom device from every OEM. So if they had one device and all the applications could speak to that device, and it could translate thereon, wow, that could be done. That's something that's accessible by the independent repair. And, and that's really and, the heart of J twenty five thirty four, right? You're 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 helping provide and give capability for an independent shop if they have a J2534 tool that meets proper protocol they can they can do what the dealer of the choice does at that point correct exactly right and Drew Tech was around in those days and was a part of the J2534 committee at Society of Automotive Engineers and still is by the way right right and um it, so, so we were there. We could, you know, we knew the rules, right? And it was also, I don't know if you ever heard of CARDAC, but the, sure. the, back, the back end of that is data acquisition. So we could also make a box where engineers at the OEM could actually make their own little program and take a ton of data in the car, which, you know, back in the day you would have had to have many computers to do that. To have one thing that did that, that was nice too. So... Um, and, and, and so, so we, we know the, the, the rules, we know the protocols, and we know a lot about the OEMs because we've worked with them. We worked them as a consultancy and still do. We, we make dealer tools for some of them and write specs for some others, et cetera, et cetera. Now, now J2534, that is a, and correct me if I'm wrong, a standard written by the Society of Automotive Engineers, SAE, that says we need a device that will do this, whatever that protocol is, and it has to be available to the independents. Is the J2534 tool the same as the CARDAC, or are they two separate test devices? The, the CARDAC is, is a version. It's a universal J2534 device. Right, that's what J2534 I want to J2534 is nothing more than the language that the computer talks to the device in. Okay, gotcha. Right, and then the device acts like a translator, and it translates whatever the computer told it. And, uh, you know, translator is, is, it's important to know the J2534 language, and that's the same no matter what. That's, that's in a specification, and, right. you know, it either is or is not that. But then your device has to know how to talk to a car. And since they, they all do that a little bit differently, so it's, if, I, if the computer asks you to go get a glass of water, right, um, you might go to the, to the tap or you might go to the faucet, pour a glass of water and bring it back, be real happy. On the other hand, you could also obey the command by going to the lake, scooping up some water and bringing a glass of lake water, and then you really wouldn't want it, right? Right. So, so the, you know, different uh, devices will have different behaviors. And uh, because we've been around a long time, we've learned from mistakes we've made, we've learned from mistakes the OEAs made, or the OEs have made, 
and we, we work with the, uh, the Society of Automotive Engineers, we can really bring a, a very good, solid device. So the J2534 protocol standardizes everything. It makes sure that that glass of water always comes from the tap, and it's recognizable as tap water to, 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 to create a standard. We've created a, a, a we've leveled the playing field, so to speak. Kind of. It, 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 what it does, it levels the playing field in the way which the computer will talk to the device. Right. If the device misunderstands that and goes to the lake instead, then you're getting kind of a different product. If right. You will, right, and you've, and you've got problems. So let me paint a scenario. So, suppose a repair shop does a lot of Ford vehicles, and their choice is they want to purchase either the Ford factory tool, the dealer-level tool, the Ford VCM2, or they want to do it via J2534. Can they substitute one for the other? Is that how this works? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. The only thing that's federally required right now, and all OEMs do do this, they have engine and transmission reprogramming available. Okay. Now, in 2018, because of some right-to-repair movements and also laws that have already passed, um, all the OEMs will, have, will be required to, use, to um, deliver their diagnostics, bidirectional control, their actuators, and, and, and the same diagnostics that the dealers use, as well as other information, too, like TSBs and so forth. Right. Right now, you're finding some OEMs do it, and some OEMs are still waiting till the end, right? It, it depends on the personality of that OEM. And, and it's, so. it's, it's, it's interesting to note that I think one of the manufacturers that provides a very good and fair amount of information easily uh, is Toyota, right? I mean, they, they seem to yeah. do... And you know what? Their car sales are through the roof, so isn't that interesting that... If independent repair shops have an easier time to work on it, they sell more cars. What a concept. Um, well, I think what <laughs> one of the things they found, and, and they, they entered into this pretty early on, believe it or not, as did BMW. And I think what, what, you know, what the theory is, is, hey, if a 10-year-old car looks good people, and people are looking for a new car, people aren't going to substitute an old car with a new car. They're going to look around and say, you know what? I want my car to last like that one did. Right. And they're right. going to go to that OEM. And right. I think that's a really smart move on their part. Yeah, and it keeps it keeps them in business and it keeps return customers coming back. Hey Drew, the clock's going to take us, but let me just ask real quick. There's so much to cover here. Is there a place the listeners, uh repair shops, consumers, just, you know, regular folks or maybe DIYers, is there a website you guys have they can go and learn more about J2534 and what's involved there as well as Drew Technologies product? Yeah, there is. There's um, our website, and it has a it has uh, J2534101. You can learn about it. You can also call us, but we're at www.drewtech.com. Okay, and uh, they can. Uh, another do... thing that's really important when you're when you're looking for a device is the education to use it because you're using GM's application, and that's different from say BMW's, which is different from Toyota's, right? Right. Um, that's, we have that's on your oh, website, right? It's on our website and also in an application that we have. That ha it's easy to navigate, but it'll tell you about the OE site. It'll tell you about the um, their subscription. What does it have for you? How much it costs? How long it lasts? That way, you can make that value judgment about keeping that job that's in front of you in your shop, which is, gives you the profit and job control, right? Gotcha. Or should you send it out, and should you, you know, really put your your time and effort into things that you can affect? Is is that available as a link, Hugh? Um, is there a way you can email me that link, and I can post it on our Facebook page for the listeners so they can find it easier? Yeah, I can. Okay, do that. You've got my email, right? If not, yeah, um, you know, uh, you know, shoot me, shoot me that link via email, and I'll post it up on the Facebook page, 
and um, uh, that way they can find the information. Because, like I said, there's so much here. We're going to have you back um, again. I think we're going to make a radio star out of you, buddy. Um, because I love it. There's there's an awful lot of information here, and we just can't cover it in one segment. So um, let's, it's fun, geeky stuff, and yeah. it's car stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's car stuff time. too. Yeah, it's so let's leave it there. DrewTech.com. That's the website, correct? Yep. Cool beans. Hey, Hugh, listen, you go have a good rest of the afternoon. Send me that link, and uh, we'll be talking again real soon. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900 to take your call, solve your problem. Remember, that's the Car Doctor's 24-7 number. If you call that number, 855-560-9900, and this show's not on the air. We are live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, you can call 855-560-9900 anytime, day or night. Leave a message. There's a messaging service hooked up to that, and Fast Harry, our executive producer, will call you back and talk to you and get you up here on cue. Uh, so we can discuss your problem and uh, solve it for you, because that's what this radio show is all about. Speaking of solving problems, let's get over and talk to Brad from Pennsylvania, 2010 GMC, and some questions about transfluid. Brad, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help? Hey, thanks, Ron. You're welcome. welcome. I listen to you on podcast, and a great service you provide. Thank you, sir. How can I help you? Um, My wife and I have a 31-foot camper, and uh, we bought a 2010 GMC Savannah one-ton got about uh, it's got 97,000 miles on it solid uh frame um based off the last vehicle I bought the tow I learned from my mistake so I went over this one with a pretty fine tooth comb right. at least the best I could sure and um now my previous vehicle was a 7.3 uh diesel uh F250 and I had some transmission overheating problems and I was going to put synthetic transmission fluid in that and I was told not to do that because it would clean the transmission and, and cause problems. But somebody else told me that that's not necessarily the case, and I was thinking about doing that with uh, with the Savannah, um, and I'm not sure I'm not sure what to do. One auto parts guy tells me one thing, and one auto parts guy tells me something else. Okay, let's 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 look at it like this: Transfluid is a very high detergent fluid. Okay. Matter of fact, in the old days, back when 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 I first started repairing cars, when dirt was invented, when we used to do re rings in the shop, where we would strip the engine block down bare into in in the frame, and you know pull the crank, pull the pistons, and take a dingleberry hone. And I'm dating myself here, and and honing the block and breaking the glaze and all the crazy things we used to do. When we used to have to wash the cylinder walls, we would take a rag, soak it in trans fluid, and scrub it inside the cylinder walls, and we would wipe all the grit away, and then we would do a final cleanup with just soap and water because that's what you did. But transfluid really helps clean away contaminant. It's, it's a very high detergent type of fluid. So the problem is, as transmissions age and operate, they build up a varnish. They build up, You can think of it as a shellac or, or, or a varnish. It's, it's, it's just a crusty formation in areas of the transmission. So now you take out the old tired fluid and you put in this fresh fluid that's got a very good detergency to it, 
and the problem becomes it can break down that varnish and cause particulate to go where it's not supposed to and cause a trans problem. And that's regardless of whether it's synthetic or conventional or anything in between. So the first question is, has the fluid ever been changed in this 97,000-mile transmission? Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was the van was owned by a beer distributor before, right? Um, and it, it had the, all the service records, so it was changed at the fifty thousand mile mark. Okay, so then I would change it again, and as long as the fluid condition is good, here's my way of thinking. All right, is I would want to know if this trans is going to fail before I hook up the thirty-one foot motorhome or trailer to it and tow, and I'm somewhere between here and and, and East Jabib. All right, I would change the fluid. Okay. Be mindful of the transmission. Be aware of what it does. See how it reacts. Whether you do conventional or synthetic, doesn't matter. Synthetic is going to help control heat better, but it's also much more pricey. But I'm still going to tell you to change it on a regular basis because it's cheaper to change fluid than a transmission. And when you're towing a motorhome, right. there is no margin of error. Um, heck, getting a flat tire when you're towing the motorhome is a major undertaking. So a trans failure and you're out in the middle of nowhere, that's a whole other animal. So I'm going to tell you to change the fluid, drive the vehicle around town for a month or so, use it as an everyday vehicle if you can, and if you have no problem, hey, I think you're good, and you, you, you're a step ahead of the curve. If you do have a problem, let's deal with it now while you're home, at home base. You can find the mechanic. You can find your guy. Get him to fix it for you when you're not out in the middle of sure. the woods trying to find somebody to you know, piece me a transmission together for my, for my GMC Savannah. And then if you want to use synthetic, if you want to change it again, hey, I'm, I'm all for that. You know, one funny thought, Brad, is we make all these synthetic oils and we can make engines go three, 400,000 miles. Transmissions are still the weak link in the majority of cars. And, you know, unless you're changing fluid on a regular basis and taking care of it, 100, 120,000, 130,000. And every once in a while, somebody will get 200,000 out of it and you'll ask them, do you ever change the fluid? And they'll say, no. Well, you know what? That's the exception. Because the majority of times, studies show that if you maintain the transmission, you're going to get longer out of it. My point is, transits are still the fragile component, and it's just so much easier to service fluid and keep an eye on it than wait for the problem to happen. So in your case, if it was changed once, I say change it again, and let's just... uh, And by the way, do a complete exchange. Do some kind of a fluid exchange. Get it all out so that you're putting all fresh and conventional, or, you know, all fresh conventional or synthetic in there and uh, you're not leaving any dirty contaminant behind. And let's uh, let's watch it. Let's see what happens. Good luck to you, Brad. Let me know how you make out, and I'm here if you need me. I'll be glad to do what I can for you. Hey, coming up next, Harlan Siegel, some answers to what scan tool should I buy myself, or perhaps you're looking for something for the holidays coming up. All that and so much more. I'm on an in the car, Doctor. Don't go away. We're back right after this. Car doctor here. You know, it's it's an ongoing conversation. It seems one of the hottest topics that we always talk about here on the Car Doctor is that of scan tools, both for professionals, consumers, and you know everybody just needs a scan tool. I think it's become the case where it should be one in every glove compartment, chicken in every pot, and a scan tool in every glove compartment. It really has come down to that. And we recently received a letter, uh, an email from uh, Ken. And he wanted to know specifically, he was asking about the X431 launch, about bi-directional controls, 
and uh, versus one of the competitors. And, you know, we started talking about it, Harlan Siegel and I. That's what we've got on the phone, obviously. And um, I said, you know what, Harlan, just come on up on air and let's talk about this because uh, it's you've always got so much information. And, and I have to say that about him. This next gentleman just always has so much information. I'm amazed that, uh, you know, we can squeeze it all in and not run out of things. And he's always got something to say, and it always makes sense to me. So without any further ado, Harlan Siegel, launch, launchtech.com. Welcome, sir. How are you? Good, Ron. Glad to be here. How are you? All right, sir. Actually, I should say it's launchtechusa.com. Uh, yeah, let me correct myself. Um, yes. Let's talk a little bit about the X431 or the Pad 1 or the Pad 2. Pick a preference and talk about bi-directional controls. Uh, what, is the, what are those? You know, Tell us the process there. What are those for the listeners, and uh, why are they so important? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a great question. We get that an, an awful lot. So when you go into the pro-line scan tool, professional line, scan tool, uh, that is a capability that is added called bi-directional, additional, additionally also relearns, resets, and so forth. And on bi-directional, it's when you're actually making a, a actuator do its action through the scan tool versus through the vehicle. For example, you know, you're in the vehicle, you want to make the driver's window go up and down, you simply press the switch up or down. But uh, oftentimes, if that doesn't work, the technician is unaware, is it the motor, is it the switch, is it the wiring, is it something on the network, is it the you know, body control module? So with a bi-directional capable scan tool, we're able to manipulate and make and drive that window motor going up or down and bypassing that switch and all of its wiring by direct com- communication to the body control module, in this particular case, or door module. So it's it's a it's a, it's truly a diagnostic tool that's required at all levels today. And I, I think it's a, it's it's really you know part of the process now that you have to have this. I'll I'll go one step further. You've got a vehicle evaporative emissions leak. Let's take a 442 small evap leak. I mean it's as common as the sun's going to come up tomorrow. It happens everywhere. And part of that diagnostic is inducing smoke into the system, and you need a scan tool that can close the vent. And that's a bi-directional control. You would bring it up on the launch. You would, you know, close the vent and smoke it. And is the system leaking and, and so forth? It's it's part of the process. It's it's just part of the diagnostics. And that's what I think a lot of the scan tool manufacturers, other than launch, are failing to see. Because I have to say that so far the launch tools have not let me down in anything I've tried to do. I'll tell you a quick story. We we you know we're using the launch as some of the others and we're we're always testing and checking for manufacturers, and one of the guys across the tracks from us has the new Snap on. He just changed the oil on a 2011 Audi, and it was time to do the oil light reset. He couldn't do it, and I'm asking him, saying, why is the guy with the ten thousand dollar tool incapable of resetting the oil change light, and he's got to come to the guy with the I don't know what's a 431 Harlan three grand. Thirty five hundred exactly twenty nine ninety five on the right. pad too right and uh, you know why why are you coming to the guy with the tool that costs a third of the price to do an oil light reset and it works and uh, you know one of the things that really annoys me is the industry looks at price and says the most expensive has to work and it doesn't and and maybe that's the way we're brought up in this country I'm not sure but it seems that launch to a large degree. Um, I don't know if I'm saying this right and if it's fair, but I think you're kind of like the Rodney Dangerfield of scan tools. Nobody respects you, yet everybody misses over the fact that your stuff works all the time. Um, uh, fair statement? 
Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I can say that uh, over the years, uh, we, we've certainly have gained uh, gained that reputation and recognition by by the mere fact of of success uh, success in terms of experiences by the technician, just right. like you know what you just yeah. stated. Yeah. It simply worked for you. Right. I I caught somebody. I'll tell you a quick story. I caught somebody at a seminar and they were doing a scan tool shootout and they're talking about individual scan tools and all the companies got up and. Everybody talked about their product, and you know all of them. It was it was OTC, it was Snap On. Uh, there was a couple other manufacturers there, and they all kind of went through their drill. And I raised my hand at the end, and I said, "So who can do a throttle body minimum idle relearn on a 2005 Acura MDX?" Nobody could do it. And I said, "Why not?" And they said, "Well, that's you know that's proprietary. Yeah, launch does it." Um, you know, and I kind of caught everybody with their jaws on the ground. And and to that point, how are you guys doing that, Harlan? Uh, you know, tell us the backstory because you're going through licensing, you're going through a lot of things to bring that information up to maintain the tool, and and you know, there's there's a process there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there is, and 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 I I, I must say some of that process is. Uh, Let's call it the magic sauce. You know, right. that, it's grandma's recipe. You know, right. yeah, sure. But but yeah. uh, but, I, but, I, but I will say, you know, just uh, for your listeners, a little bit on on what goes on. You know, there's you know there's an organization uh, called ETI. Uh, you know that 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 makes some of the data available and so forth. And, and but still, you know, a lot of it at the end of the day, you know, we have engineers here uh, in this country uh, that we, and we actually go to the auctions and we actually grab the vehicle and map it on out. It's quite amazing when you see this being done, where we, uh, we we take a look at the data that comes out. That's actually the code. You know, it's funny. You were talking earlier about 100 million lines of code in, in, in a vehicle, right? Right, yeah. And somebody, well, I mean, it's a, you, you could be there a while. So, uh, so, so we have uh, – our engineers have developed a method in where we look at that data, and then we – we do what's called a, a, a creation of a handshake. So, for example, if we if we know uh, that you know of that hundred million lines of data and code, which one is you know makes the fuel gauge go from empty to full? Well, we will throw what well a request to it, and we may fail a couple of times till we get it right, and then we'll go oh there it is, and we and it's all in hexadecimal, so it may be you know. You know, Alpha. You know, Hotel Zero One One. You know, whatever. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And and we'll throw a code at it, and then and then there the gauge will sweep, and then we simply document it. Right. So a lot of this stuff is, you know, it's very time consuming, and 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 also I must say, Ron, as a result, you know what? There's nothing perfect. You know, there isn't any scan tool perfect out there. No. You know, and 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 and, uh, and that's why you know, on all of them, they have holes today, but we have ways which we fill the holes through feedback and these sorts of things. Well, you know what? Your your tool, to that point, let's spend a minute on this real quick. Um, one of the things I've noticed when, because, you know, it's no secret, we're, we're, we're field testing and, and looking at your tools all the time for you. Um, if I have a problem, you know what? It's it's a conversation with somebody on the phone. It gets documented in a very short period of time, depending on the problem. Heck, I've had cases where I've called up, this doesn't work. Did you do the latest download today? No, you know, I forgot to. It's in the download. And I download it standing there in the shop, and now the tool works on that particular component, on that particular problem, whatever I was trying to solve. And, you know, you guys make it look easy, which is mind-boggling to me because I haven't figured out why everybody else doesn't pick up on it. Uh, you know, you just download it. We download it off the net. You send it to us, and, and we're done. 
And, you know, that really just makes it simple, and that's one of the things I really enjoy about the product. Um, talk about, real quick, the feedback button. I want you to just, real quick, give me a minute on that, Harlan. Talk about the feedback button on the uh, on the pad, too. So, so Ron, like like an experience that you may have had that maybe, I mean, or any technician, you, you want it, you're looking for this on a particular vehicle, and it may not be there. Or you try to do an activation or bidirectional, and for whatever reason, on that year, make, model, engine size, it just it just doesn't work. I mean, it happens on all tools, even OE level tools. But how we address it is quite different. So what we do is we have a feature on all of our uh, Android Pro line tools called feedback. And what it does is it captures all of the code and uh, all of the processes that you that you went that day to hook up to that car. And then it has a text box where you simply type in window didn't go up and down or whatever, or it didn't communicate, whatever the experience may be. And it actually goes to engineering. You simply hit the submit button. It goes to engineering, and we generally will have a fix uh, in less than 30 days. And that's why, you know, we have weekly updates on on our scan tool, lots of them every week as a result. Right. Tell me about Golo real quick, 30 seconds. What's new with Golo? And then I got to go. yeah, the latest thing with Golo is it's 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 uh, it's going leaps and bounds and it's going crazy out there. Uh, uh, listeners want to check it on out by going to www.golocarcare.com. All one word. There's a video there, but it's telematics for the aftermarket. It's great for the car owner where where the car owner gets to save money by not always having to go back to the shop for you know reading codes, clearing codes, and looking at data. And it also can save the money in terms of uh, getting specials and announcements on right. discounts and promotions. Right. And for the shop, it gives them a connected car experience. Right. Okay. Listen, two seconds. I want to buy a, a handheld scan tool for Christmas. What do I want? Well, you know, if you're looking for a stocking stuffer, uh, one of the nice cool things that we just came out with is called the Easy Diag 2.0. We have two versions, seventy nine ninety five. Uh, with a generic OBD2 and then 129.95 with any two car lines. One device now works with Apple or Android. Easy Diag is downloadable today on Google Play and, and, and on the Apple Store. Great stocking stuffers, and it's, it actually does too much on the vehicle. Uh, and then you can go from there from our CRP 123 that you've mentioned so many times before right. for 399 and and up from there. Perfect. And they can find all of this at launchtechusa.com, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We just redid our website, easy to navigate. You can have fun with it. Perfect. Harlan, always a pleasure, sir. We're going to get you back again real soon. Good luck in your travels and uh, we'll be talking again in the near in the near future. I'm Ronnie and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Nini and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls. Let's go over and talk to Julie, Kansas City, Ford Focus and some trans issues. Julie, how can I help you today? Hi. Thanks for talking to me. You're welcome. Um, so I bought a brand-new off-the-lot 2014 Ford Focus last September. Okay. And within the last month or so, I, it kind of feels like the tranny slipping in my car a little. So right. it's just when I come to a complete stop and then I start to accelerate, it kind of stutters a little bit. Okay. So I took it back to the dealership and they were like, well, you need a new clutch. And I'm like, well, I have a 
it's it's an automatic car, but he was telling me that the the way they build the transmissions now is that it's technically manual on the inside, and then the car kind of shifts itself, I guess. Yeah, what, so you, saying, what, what you actually have is you actually have the DPS 6 six-speed transmission, um, and there's a campaign out there for clutch shutter where they're having issues with the transmission, and it it's it's not so much that it's a clutch, but it's just the design of the trans and the material they use the first go round had their issues, and it's just chattering and shuddering and and not making for a smooth operation. But it's all, it's it's all under warranty, right? They're not charging you for any of it. Yeah, this, no, right? it's just you know I just thought I I had a '98 Camry before this with 300,000 miles, and I did a lot of the work myself on it. So right. I was just like, all right, I'll get this new car. You know, I don't got to worry about anything for a while. And now the guy is telling me, well, this is a reoccurring problem. And, you know, it could happen again, if not a number of times. So I just kind of wanted to know what you think about that. And then, you know, I think that, have you heard I, of this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think the straight answer is I think it's a problem they didn't see coming. Fortunately, you know, the 2014 was the last model year that it, it, it's involved. It's actually 2011 through 14. Did you get the dealer level? Did you uh, dealer letter? Did you get the information from Ford? Um, that no, ex- that not explains that I know it? of. No. All right, I would tell you to call Ford Motor Company. Go over the dealer's head. Uh, there is a letter out there that you should be receiving if you haven't received it already, and uh, it, it's going to come to you, and it's going to talk about ASMT clutch shutter and extended warranty on all of this, and just what they're doing to make the problem correct. And it's a lot of the vehicles, a lot of the focuses are having this particular problem with that particular trans. It's unfortunate. I can't I can't sugarcoat it. Uh, you know what? It's the roll of the dice. I can tell you that the difference, though, between that 98 Camry and a 2014 Camry, you know what? You might have had this. You might have had a like problem with issues like this just as well. So, uh, uh, you know, just don't blame it on that you bought a Ford. It just happens to be something you got stuck with on a newer car. Keep me posted, Julie. Let me know how you make out, but by all means, get your hands on that letter. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Back, Ron and the Car Doctor here. Let me uh, do a little bit of housekeeping. 855-560-9900 is the Car Doctor's 24-7 number. You can call that number and, um, you know, leave a message if we're not on the air. This radio show is live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. But uh, obviously we're carried on many affiliates across this country of ours. And uh, you can uh, get us on delayed broadcast. So if you call 855-560-9900, leave a message. Fast Harry, our executive producer, We'll call you back and get you up here in queue. Uh, there's more information about this show at cardoctorshow.com, as well as if you go down the left side of cardoctorshow.com, that page, you'll find tunein.com, which has a list of affiliates or a partial list of affiliates. You can also find podcasts and the ability to subscribe to podcasts at iheart.com and itunes.com. And, you know, obviously you can click on, you can go to our podcast page and download podcasts right from there if you want to do it manually as well. If you need me during the week, it's ron at cardoctorshow.com. Send me an email. I'll be glad to talk to you and we'll help solve your problem. Uh, just like this gentleman here, Dave write in, writes in, hey, Ron, love the show. 2007 Toyota RAV4. I've got an oil consumption problem. Had Toyota test it. They say it doesn't meet the requirement or the amount for any action, but it's not good. I just did an oil change and it's down two and a half quarts. I check the oil more now than I do in any of my other vehicles. 
because I know there's a potential problem. What can I do? Dave, uh, listen, I know it's not good. And it's funny that Toyota can't come up with a better solution for this. They do have a spec. I think it's a quart in a thousand miles is acceptable. So, you know, how far off that mark were you? If it's a quart in 1,200 miles, I think they've got to look at that and say, you know, come on, guys. Uh, you know, I'm so close to the line. Where, where can you help me here? Because the fix for this is also not really a great one in that they're pulling pistons out of the cylinders in the in the dealership engine block stays in the bay, in the in the vehicle, and they're uh, doing a re-ring right there in the bay. And um, that's the fix. And it's, it's kind of interesting. I think part of it is that they've got such a problem so widespread over so many vehicles that there isn't a better solution available at this particular point. So um, best thing I can tell you to do is keep an eye on the oil level, talk to Toyota, see if there's any leeway, tell them, make, make me happy I'm a Toyota customer. And if not, well, there's always Ford, Chevy, or Chrysler. Maybe not the Chrysler. We'll talk about that in the future. I'm Ron Anady in the car, Doctor. Until the next time, the mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. See ya.